This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Growth Masters podcast. Today joins me is Lisa Tay, the one and only founder and CEO. You're CEO, aren't you? Founder and CEO at at Cody Agency. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Maybe I won't won't steal your thunder, Lisa. I'll I'll let you you introduce yourself. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it. Uh, Glad to be back on the, the actually newly revamped Growth Masters podcast, so thanks for having me. I am, yeah, so I'm the CEO of, well, I guess the owner, director, cleaner, anything that needs to get done of coding agency. <laughs> the, the, the janitor, everything, right? <laughs> yeah, literally, you know what it's like. You sign up to run a business and you literally do every department. Um, so, yeah, just sort of, you know, I actually spoke to someone the other day and they said they're professional gap filler. And I'm like, that sounds <laughs> I love that. I love that. Professional gap filler. Yeah, you just <laughs> kind of cheap, do anything. Cheap gap filler. Yeah. How's business, Lise? How are you finding business in these uh, interesting times? Look, it's actually been okay, to be honest with you. Like, it's definitely been challenging. But thank God, I was saying to someone the other day, thank God for LinkedIn, because that's pretty much the only reason why my business has survived, because we've been able to get a lot of leads through LinkedIn. Uh, So I started posting properly about a year ago, quite consistently, not really even knowing why. And then I was getting leads just warm leads and then obviously corona hit and no one's wanting to spend but i started doing cold outreach and Mm. it's been incredible so you know for me i've spoken about it before but i'm obsessed with linkedin like i'm on it pretty much every second of the day definitely the linkedin queen it's like every second post like lisa again (laughs) there's lisa there she is lisa nick oh hold on it's lisa again (laughs) (laughs) it's really bad but i'm just it's like you know talk about just being top of mind you know and even when I go and meet people or uh you know do outreach and, and get a meeting with them they're like oh yeah I can't really escape you you're all over my LinkedIn I'm like yep that's on purpose so but that, that's exactly right right and, and it works right clearly I mean you just you mentioned before that you uh oh there goes my little man in the background you you, you mentioned before that it's your main source of leads at the moment right so you know your entire business is essentially reliant on it which is actually a good a good segue into today's topic which is around like humanizing linkedin for for business and i think you're the perfect candidate to take us through what that even means right because i think you definitely add very much a human element to a lot of your posts and a lot of your a lot of your content both from a personal perspective and also from a from a from a from a cody agency point of view right so i think we let's play there today at least like you know i'm pretty there's no doubt about it linkedin is the platform of choice at the moment Right, absolutely. I mean, I'm all over LinkedIn at the moment as well. I'm nowhere near you, but I'm trying my best to to to, to catch up. Um, and I and I think I think the businesses and a lot of the founders and CEOs that are that are constantly creating valuable content are the ones that are definitely going to to to, to win the race, right? And and build their, their overall brand presence. So, you know, what what does that even mean to you? You know, humanizing LinkedIn for for business. <laughs> 
Well, the interesting thing is people connect more with people as opposed to brands. So I'm sure you guys find this when you do ads, like as soon as you put a person in there, it generally tends to perform better because people want to have that human connection, especially when we're in isolation and you're not seeing your, you know, your friends or your family or your team, um, you know, on a daily basis anymore in person. So I think that's why everyone flocked to social media when we got mm. locked, you know, trapped in isolation because they're almost like desperate for human contact still and I think a lot of brands you know I look at like say the big enterprise brands and you know I think a lot of them were very scared to put anything on social that wasn't really polished and mm -hmm. wasn't almost edited to within an inch of its life and you know whilst I completely understand they have a brand to live up to at the end of the day they're still marketing to people and humans so it's been really interesting for me to see big enterprise businesses actually put really raw content out online and like I was saying to you just before we jumped online that, you know, I saw a post by Shane Elliott, who's the CEO of ANZ on LinkedIn and it was yeah. uh, ANZ. Sorry. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he was just sitting at his desk uh, in his home, obviously stuck at home like the rest of us. And I thought, wow, like I never would have expected to see just the, you know, CEO of ANZ bank just sitting at his desk at home on LinkedIn, you know, and, and I think for Probably me, expected was, him with like a, you know, sitting there in a suit and tie behind a, you know, an, an office virtual background on zoom or something, you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> looking, but looking very polished, you know, yeah. if you go back through his other content, it's definitely very polished. But then I thought, wow, I think it's almost, um, Corona has been good because it's forced us to not be so stiff. And mm. so, you know, editing. So corporate. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you've got like these, you know, I'm sure you've had plenty of meetings where it's like, you know, a really important meeting and then your kid runs in you're like, you know, and or your, you know, dog, my dog starts barking and it's almost been able to humanize us and take away all of those layers of bureaucracy. And, you know, I guess, I don't say office um, politics or anything, but I really feel like we've been able to connect more as human beings, which I think is a real, I guess, benefit. Of well, it's a lot more, it's, it's a lot more authentic, right? Like, I mean, I'm even yes. recording this podcast wearing a hat, right? And I haven't shaved in, you know, probably <laughs> 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, on a, on, a, on a serious note, I mean, if you think, you know, if I were, if I worked for a big corporate, like there is no way, that I'd be able to represent the organization in the state that I'm in at the moment, yes. you know, and now you see a lot of like tech startups and a lot of tech, tech founders, you know, they're sitting there wearing caps backwards and, you know, having shaved in three weeks. Right. And I think there's, there's authenticity to that, you know, cause yes. this is, this is who I am. This is me at work. Uh, sorry, me at home. If I want to look like this, this is how I'm going to look. I don't need to put on a suit and tie to, to record this podcast or to jump on, you know, on a, on an interview. So I think that definitely resonates with me because I, I, I feel as though, it's it's almost cleared out that corporate layer yes and and brought back more of like a, a human element to it exactly right and people i think really respond to that because it allows them to connect with companies a little bit more because if you think of say the biggest companies in the world you've got you know like your teslas your amazons your facebook's uh, you know virgin they've all got people that you know, like you've got your Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, like people really connect with them as founders, which means mm. they then connect with them as a business. And I've been, been listening to the book, The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. And he said, what people think of you is what they're going to think of your business. So you mm. look at Elon Musk, for example, and you go, he's crazy. Like he's so disruptive. He's probably got a, a screw or 
you know, multiple screws loose, but there's no doubting that he's pushing the boundaries. So you assume Tesla's going to be exactly the same way. Steve yeah. Jobs, exactly the same. Like I'm listening to his biography at the moment. So, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for either um, owners of businesses or executives and C-suites actually being really active on the platform because it says a lot about the values of the company that they represent. And that is key. You just hit the nail on the head, I think, is the values of, of, of the company, right? And how that's being portrayed and presented out to the to, to, to the public. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, if you, if you look at a lot of the, the big CEOs, you know, generally speaking, they would have had that post before it even went out on the public domain, would probably go through an entire legal department, right? And, and it's, you know, it's probably a time-sensitive post. By the time it even gets out to the platform, it's been three weeks. It's not even relevant anymore, right? <laughs> um, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, right? So, and if you look at like even the CEO of Telstra, for any, any big organization, right? Like that legal team is bigger than their entire sales force or, you know, or, or their biggest division with, within within that company. So it's quite interesting. Now you see posts on, on LinkedIn with spelling mistakes. And I think, you know, I go, that is authentic. Yeah. You know, we're all humans. We make mistakes. You know, there's spelling mistakes here and there. The grammar's not necessarily the best, but I think there is the human element to that post, which resonates with, you know, the person on the, on the other side of the screen. Yeah, exactly. And people always say, you know, people try and differentiate marketing B2C versus B2B. And I was mm. listening to this podcast and they go, look, B2B, it's it's still made up of, like a business is still made up of a whole lot of people at the end of the day. So you're still Correct. kind of still marketing to a person. So don't think of it as like a faceless company. So they want to see a face. They want to feel like they're connecting with, you know, someone as opposed to something. We're all humans, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't, like you said, if you're, if you're trying to generate, say, for example, B2B leads or B2C leads, like that consumer is still a human. Yeah. You know, it's the same human. It doesn't matter whether they work within an organization or if they're a consumer. You yeah. Know, there is, yes, absolutely. There are different marketing tactics and, and absolutely the content that needs to resonate with this type of individuals may be a little bit different, but as far as like the human element, it's a connection between a person and a person. Right? Yeah, a human and a, and, a, and a human. It's actually interesting yeah. what you were saying about how, you know, thinking about a post that goes up on, say, maybe a CEO's post that's probably gone through so many layers of checks. And, you know, I, I've, I take LinkedIn training and I advise business leaders on, you know, how to optimize their LinkedIn profiles. And the one thing that I consistently realize when I talk to big corporates or even just any size companies, no one's really empowered their team to get active on LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people say maybe want to post, but they're too nervous to even know what to post. So I think as a company and as leaders, we should be encouraging our teams to actually say, here's a bank of information that you mm -hmm. can post about, say impressive for the month if you want to post. This is all happy for you to post about it. These are some results that we had. Why aren't people doing that? Because your team are going to be the biggest advocates for your, uh, your business. So if you get them out there, imagine if all of a sudden you've got 10 people on impressive you know, all posting on LinkedIn. Cause I see a lot of your team actually posting on LinkedIn and I'm like, that's just free press for your brand, you know? So I think um, big companies need to start empowering their team and giving them a guideline, even if it's just like a handbook to say these types of topics are, you know, um, appropriate, obviously don't post photos of you drunk or out on a Friday night or, you know, anything that's, whatever the restrictions are, but you know, we have to empower our teams and our, and our employees to post because they're going to be able to push our brands further. I think it's a very interesting point, right? And, and I, there's two, there's two schools of thought here, right? One is I risk if my team members and my employees go and post on LinkedIn, because there's like this general consensus that 
if you post on LinkedIn, you start you're starting to build your brand, that automatically mm. you're looking for another job, mm. right? So I think yeah. you know I, I I can understand and and appreciate why a business would think you know or get a little bit cagey. I don't want my employees posting on LinkedIn because maybe they're going to get you know mm. stolen from me by by yeah. by a competitor. Where yeah. I think, like you said, it's great press for the company, and if you are building that culture internally, that entrepreneurial culture that that it was really driven by values and, and you have a vision and a goal to where you're heading, that shouldn't even cross your mind. And I'm very big on that. You know, like I always encourage my team members to go and post on LinkedIn to build their own profile. I mean, look, the reality is I know I can't keep anyone forever. Yeah. And I think the minute as leaders that we realize that this is the case, that, you know, our job is to make sure that we get the best out of these employees while they're with us because they're not going to be there forever. Right. Yeah. Proud that when they do leave, they actually built the brand and learned so much whilst they were working for you. I think the minute we realize that as leaders, that the minute a lot of companies will excel rather than trying to choke a lot of the talent internally and not expose them to the, to the real business world. Right. And, yeah. and give them the opportunity to, to find that confidence to be able to put a post online. Yeah, exactly. And you've been great because I know that I've run training at your company and your team. Like I look at, say, Russ and Nish and, yeah, and you know, like the machine. Like he's, he's bloody, he doesn't stop. Both, <laughs> you know, both Russ and Nish, you know, they're, they're, those two are great examples. You know, and everyone used to come to me and say, aren't you scared? You know, aren't you scared they're going to go and take your IP and start their own agency? I said, you know what? If they do, good luck to them. They've got my blessing. At least I know my, my job. I did a great job. Right? Yeah. I gave them the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I know they're not going to do that, but you know, the, the reality is I think people need to get out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah. And, 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 and posting on LinkedIn is, is not an easy task. No. Know? Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's not, right? And, and I get, for, even for me to be very vulnerable with it, I think on certain occasions, I'm like, man, I don't want to be on a camera again in front of people, you know, in front of my network. But you, the more you sort of push yourself and you push yourself, it's coming out of that, that, that comfort zone and into that fear zone, which is really where, where we grow, right? Um, and now it becomes pretty easy. You know, exactly. it just becomes second, second nature. Because you start to think in content. And not only that, you learn how to stop. I'm, I'm the biggest waffler. You're great. You're actually very direct. Your content's fantastic. But goddamn, I can waffle. So I've had to <laughs> learn how to speak quite concisely so I can get my point across in one minute or less, yeah. ideally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting you say that because I, I get told that all the time. Oh, Rob, you waffle too much. My wife tells me that all the time. Yeah, she's like... Just get to the point. I'm like, yeah, but to get to that point, I need to go around a bit, right? <laughs> I find that your content's very uh, concise, though. So, you know, maybe you and I waffle in real life, and then when we can record, we record, we can just nail it down to that. Look, well, arguably, we're waffling right now, right? So yeah, true. <laughs> we're not we're not doing our argument any favors. <laughs> so, Lise, what what have you seen? I guess LinkedIn is 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 forever evolving, right? Like any other any other platform. I mean, recently we saw. Um, you know, LinkedIn stories. I don't know. I'm still in two minds about that. I don't know how I feel about LinkedIn stories. Um, ah, very interesting that you bring that up because yeah. I was wondering why that was the case. And I was talking about it with someone and they said, oh, maybe it's to actually bring a younger demographic onto the platform because they're familiar, obviously, with Instagram stories and other, you know, channels with stories. And I was like, that's actually pretty smart because I would say that LinkedIn probably skews a bit older. But, uh, you know, I think that they need that next generation, that next wave to come through. And, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I would, you know what I saw the other day? Someone pointed out to me, there's now blogs on Instagram. And I'm like, is Instagram now turning to LinkedIn? It's... Yeah, these platforms are so, 
they're so interesting, right? How they compete with each other. And, you know, I guess from a, like outsiders, we go, what on earth are they doing? Yes. You know, that, 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 like blogs on Instagram, it doesn't yes. even make sense. Right. It's big, isn't it? And then they got reels, obviously, which is literally Correct. TikTok. I'm like, do you guys not feel embarrassed? Like, it's literally the same <laughs> platform. Like, you've literally just ripped it off. So I don't really know what the challenge, like what the, the goal is there. But I mean, it's very interesting because they've sort of come in at a good time with Trump, obviously, threatening TikTok in America. So... Yeah, I heard about that. I mean, well, we've got Microsoft in the running now trying to buy them. Trump, where has that landed, by the way? I mean, he's, he's, he, he put his foot down and said he's going to ban it from the US, right? And they said they were going to sue him. He's got he 45 days. Yeah, I think he gave them 45 days. But I think the challenging thing is like it sets a very dangerous precedent if the president yeah. can just say, you know, shut down. Because he always threatens to shut down Twitter because they absolutely obviously don't like him at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be very interesting because he's pretty much just wiped away a lot of bargaining power uh, TikTok or ByteDance would have because he's given them 45 days and then they're pretty much out. So mm. if, if no one buys them and they're not allowed to operate in the States and they're pretty much gone because they've been banned from like India, I believe. Uh, I don't know if they pulled out of Hong Kong, but they've already, you know, seen a lot of the markets uh, shut them off. So if the US is gone, all the big TikTokers are from the US. So that's pretty much going to kill TikTok. So Instagram are probably just sitting, or Facebook is sitting there just, you know, rubbing their hands because they've just launched reels. So they're feeling well, probably- Well, TikTok is growing pretty, uh, pretty, pretty rapidly here in Australia, right? But again, you know, we're, we're a drop in the ocean. You can't even, we can't even compare or, or even compete with the, with the US. Let's going back to LinkedIn. You said that you made an interesting point there around the LinkedIn stories and the, and the demographic. I mean, um, I'm just looking at some recent data here that's come out of LinkedIn. You know, 43% of the users are females and 57 are, are males, of which the average age is between 30 and 49. So I wonder... I wonder, right, if, um, if, if that is the, the reason, if they're trying to tap into that, that younger demographic. And I mean, let's, let's be honest, there is there's a huge bucket there of like smart kids that are coming out with like some, some brilliant ideas. You know? Exactly. And they're, and they're digital natives as well. So they're used to posting on social. So LinkedIn is actually one of the biggest pub publishing platforms in the world because people are just posting content all the time. But, mm. you know, I think a lot of older, God, I'm pretty much old, I should, throw myself into this bucket older people don't necessarily feel comfortable posting on social because that's just not something they've grown up with whereas younger people are just like yeah i don't care i don't care if i don't have 10 years or 20 years of experience in the industry i'm just used to posting so i'll just get on there and post what i think so i think a lot of younger people maybe don't care as much about do i have the right experience can i be giving my opinion do i have credibility they're just used mm. to posting on on other social platforms so maybe linkedin are wanting to get more content on the platform so the easy, quick way to do that is by just getting a whole uh, demographic who've grown up posting on social. And then they just come across and just go, oh, this is like a cool new platform. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think there's something in that, right? Like I'm, I'm personally seeing this, this fundamental shift in the business world where, you know, the age, the age group of directors and executives is actually decreasing. Mm. So, you know, if you, if you look at like, for example, Telstra, they recently... Um, appointed to name Bridget Ludden, right? Yes. Who's 32 years old, independent non-executive member on Telstra, yeah. right? Like, who would have thought <laughs> on a, in, you know, in a million years that Telstra would, would make such a move? But you look at her, like she's been such a successful entrepreneur and, and a tech startup. And for them, that's, I feel there's a very strategic move for Telstra to bring in young blood basically into the, into the board 
to be able to drive them in, into a different uh, into a different angle. So I think when you when you when you look at you know a story like that and why LinkedIn is bringing in a tool like Stories, well, it makes sense, right? I mean, there's no doubt Bridget's grown grown up pretty much using Insta Insta Stories and feeds and and, and all the rest of it. So she's very much um, whether she's you know corporate or professional or not, they're very much the platforms that she's grown up with. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that you, cause I'm sure that you've seen a lot of other people and a lot of other posts going, Oh, so-and-so has been appointed. So-and-so has been appointed, but you remember her because she's young. And mm. I feel like, you know, a lot of bigger companies need to move in that direction. And it's actually, you know, I think a lot of companies fall into this trap. They go, you must sit in a role for X amount of time. And then when you're ready, you move up or not when you're ready. Even it's like, once you've served your time, you then move up. But it's like, what if you're ready before then you're just holding people back. So Correct. if she's yeah. ready at 30, good on her because I look at the generation that's coming up but I feel old uh, in their 20s and I go you are so much more driven actually this doesn't apply to you because you were I know that you were driven from a young age I was not driven from a young age I had no idea what I was doing but uh I was a mess in my 20s whereas I look at the people in their 20s now and I go wow you really have your shit together you go up mm. you know what you want and you go after it you don't let anything stand in your way whereas you know I think my generation was just you know with a broad I'm really saying this quite broadly but you know for us it wasn't really like that we were just still um you know i, I guess it being pushed in conservative directions with our parents or you know a bit worried to take chances whereas i look at the generation now and i just think jesus like you're a force to be reckoned with you know and you're and you're coming for our jobs uh you know and and the jobs of our generation so if we don't um step it up like we're going to quickly get overtaken by these hungry 20 20 something year olds <laughs> look and and, and, I, and i think to a certain degree there's like this evolution right and i and i think like even just speaking you and me we're probably i guess you know scaring a, a few of the older the older generation that have probably yeah. ha probably had the same conversation that you and me are having <laughs> right now right so i think there's this like evolution as we as we evolve through the business world there's this like entrepreneurial spirit that seems to have just landed on the entire globe in the last decade. You know, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to build their own brand. Everyone wants to be a founder and a tech startup, um, you know, a founder and so on. So I think there is this shift in on, on a global scale. Like that's the sexy thing now, right? Yep. It's the, you know, you, the sexy thing is not to become a professional skateboarder, it's to actually own a tech startup that is now worth, I don't know, a billion dollars. Who was it? The, the, the founder of Gymshark, you know, they just got the company valued at 1.4 billion. In I know. Years. Can I say though, look how much he's a child, been, like he's a kid. Yeah. How much has it been glamorized though? It's like, that's a, that is like a one in a million, you know, chance. Like for every Gymshark, there's about a yeah, million, you know, yeah. failures. And I think people really celebrate the, the successes and I think that's great but then I think everyone perceives that that's all there is whereas you know we know it's so effing hard running a business. Oh absolutely look and there's a lot of failures and that's that's very common right I mean it's always been the case ever since I've been alive anyway that you're, you always see that the success is not necessarily the failures um, you know there's probably been tens of thousands of, of, of other founders that have you know tried and, and, and failed before before he's he's made it you know we've got a couple of good success stories in that space here in, here in Australia I mean right aware I've done have done quite well. Um, yes. Do, do you even have done quite well? I do, um, I do you even. They're, they're, all, they're all social platform, like that's how they started, they're Instagram brands. That's what I yeah. refer to them as, you know. 
Um, yeah. Oh, look, God, that Instagram brand era, that was incredible. Like that launched like Frank Body, uh, you know, like a lot of, a lot of um, beauty brands just came off the back of just having massive Insta profiles. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's totally different now. And I think a lot of people look at their success and go, Ooh, that's great. I'll just launch a brand on Instagram, but the algorithm's totally different to what it was, uh, you know, a year ago, let alone five years oh, that, ago. That boat, that boat has sailed. There's, definitely there's no, you know let's build an instagram business anymore i think those were the times when greta were around we're around you know when she built um skinny me tea and yes you know frank body and barley body and all those all those brands right there i mean i refer to them as instagram instagram businesses and when when insta changed the the algo algorithms it made it very very hard for businesses to start up because now yes. you pay to play yeah and a lot of businesses didn't have that it didn't, didn't didn't have that funding what do you see as far as like, do you, are you aware of any new sort of emerging tech or, or any, you know, any changes to the LinkedIn platform? Ooh, they're doing things all the time, but nothing I think they have really exciting that I know of on the horizon. So I was um, testing stories for them and look, to be honest with you, sorry, LinkedIn, I'll be, I'll, I'll be brutal, but it just doesn't compare to Instagram. The functionality is just not there. So I don't know how it's going to take off. They recently yeah. launched stories for business. So I'll be interested to see businesses oh, yeah. um, use okay. the platform. So that's been interesting. Yeah. They still haven't really rolled out LinkedIn live. And I think that they were nervous, obviously, with things that were happening, which weren't great um, on mm. Facebook live. So I think they got really nervous about actually pushing that. So I think they do uh, uh, updates every quarter or so. So I'll be interested to see what's coming next on the platform. But yeah, look, I think it's only going to keep getting bigger and bigger because so many people are still in lockdown and we're, and we're probably not going to be able to travel anytime soon. So mm. it's the best way to actually build your professional network and actually generate leads for your business and also even just build a profile for yourself as a thought leader so you know i think that there's so many benefits to be had you just have to get over your fear of posting and mm. then just get active or at least uh, you know if you're in executive levels like help get your um get your company to help you get activated on the platform practice makes perfect right Definitely. I've had a lot of practice too. And I'm still, <laughs> oh Lord, I think like, I actually look back at my old videos and like cringe. That was so bad. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but that's how you learn, right? Like you, you need, it's, it's trial and error, really. Yeah. Actually, really, can really I say as well, for people mm. do, doing um, their LinkedIn content, make sure you watch yourself because if you're bored watching yourself, we're so narcissistic as humans, we're going to find mostly, mostly find ourselves interesting. So if you're getting bored, other people are definitely going to be bored. So just keep that in mind because I think people... That's a good little... That's a good little tip. I was at the, about to actually ask you, like, what are your three hacks? Give me your three hacks for, for, for our listeners. Oh, that's, good one. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. Well, that definitely, definitely listen to yourself back because I always say to my clients, you should be 10% more extra on LinkedIn than you are in real life. Because if you're talking to someone in real life, you're probably going to be a little bit more monotone. Uh, yeah. or, or when it comes, you know, when it gets translated onto video, you sound a bit more monotone. So people just talk as normal and then they play themselves back. They're like, whoa, I sound so boring. <laughs> like, yeah, you do. So you need to kind of add that intonation, use your hands, you know, I think definitely practice. Put on a show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's one of them. Um, I would say do it consistently. Uh, you know, don't do a post and then do it, you know, six months later. If you're going to commit, just bloody commit and do it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then also 
feel free to, I would say, be authentic. Like, and it sounds really cliched, but, uh, you know, I, I came up in the corporate world and I was telling you before I was a tax lawyer, which is, please don't hold that against me. Uh, <laughs> Let me guess at the ATO. Uh, I was at the ATO for a time. Thank you very much. Uh, started my career actually at one of the big four and then moved to a law firm in the tax office. So, yep, I uh, did my stint in government. Look, it was interesting. Lawyer, no. lawyer turned, turned um, marketer. Yeah, yeah. So, go. interesting journey. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, I think when you're working in conservative uh, industries, they almost prefer you to just be almost a bit not... Mm like a robot you know like it's easier for them just to be like just be this office worker and fit into this box where that was never mm-hmm. so I feel really um, fortunate that I can just be myself on the platform and I've managed to build a community around me who resonate with the content that I'm putting out and I'm not saying that I'm you know by any means the most successful person in the world or anything like that I'm literally just being myself and and authentically like a, a, just like a bit of a dork who happens to love what they do so it's been an amazing very, very um very very true and i think it actually very much resonates with me because some of my best posts have been about family you know yes. whether that be you know my little man and i at the park you know kicking a ball or yeah. you know um, every sunday we've got this little ritual where we go we go out and we get you know he gets a little uh, little milk uh, they give him a, what are they called those little kids lattes what are they called the, um, baby chino baby chinos there's <laughs> a little baby chino with a, with a marshmallow and a gingerbread man and we go out and we do something different every sunday we might go for a walk on the beach or you know go walk on the rocks or go to the park whatever it is and every time i've posted that type of content on the platform it has gone bananas yeah you know, the engagement is through the roof and the reason for that is is that it's very authentic and it resonates yeah you know, it doesn't it's always human. have to be about business and tips and this and that and the other you know um, so that one there definitely definitely resonates with me. Yeah, um, and it's actually human, you know. Like a lot of people can probably relate to spending time with their kids or their family or the struggles mm. of even trying. Like I think you posted this really funny one of this guy who was, I think, hiding behind a cardboard cutout. So I was like really early in ISO. I think you must have been like trying to hide from your kid. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. There was actually a couple of good, um, there was a couple of funny ones that they got posted. There was, yeah, there was that one that was hiding on the, uh, on the couch behind a cardboard that he painted the same color as the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and the other video that went viral was the, the guy in the laundry next to the washing machine. Yes. yes. Pretending like he was taking off. <laughs> but the thing is like, it's so relatable because like a lot of people probably like, I wish I could escape from my child or I wish I could go away. And, you mm. know, and I think that just by being you and being authentic, people are probably going to be able to relate to something that you're sharing or there'll be someone out there who can relate to what you're putting out. So, yeah. yeah so I would say, yeah, just be yourself. 100%. Love it. Well, thank you, Lisa, and thanks to everyone that's uh, I've listened to our conversation. I know definitely I've got some some, some value out of it. Uh, if you have any questions or you'd love to join me on on an episode, please feel free to email me on uh, robert at impressive.com.au and also don't forget to subscribe and, and leave us a review. Lisa, thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have you on the show again. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Thanks, Lisa.